Leviticus Daughter, The Life and Struggles of Rosa Luxemburg, a podcast by Karol Golewski. Episode 8. Rosa and the French Socialists. In 1897, Rosa Luxemburg spent several months in France where she established close contact with the Marxist leaders of the French working class movement, Jules Gued, Édouard Vaillant, Allemagne, and others such as Jean Jaurès, who, a couple of decades later, following his assassination a few days before the outbreak of the First World War, would become something of a national hero in France. Although she entered into controversies with both Gued, the leader of the Revolutionary Socialist Party of France, and Jaurès, the leader of the Reformist French Socialist Party, whose views she did not share at the meetings of the International. Rosa went on to develop friendships with them. An especially close friendship was with Édouard Vaillant, the former communard, who had studied in Germany and had led the French Blankist movement into the Marxist camp. Blankism refers to a conception of revolution, generally attributed to French socialist and political activist Louis-Auguste Blanqui, which holds that socialist revolution should be carried out by a relatively small group of highly organized, dedicated revolutionaries. Having seized power, the revolutionaries would then use the power of the state to introduce socialism. In short, it envisions political revolution as a form of coup d'état. It completely sidelines the Marxist idea of the predominant role of the working class and popular movements and doesn't go beyond the overturning of the bourgeois social order to provide ideals to aspire to for the resulting socialist society after the revolution. Something which clearly Rosa could not agree with in any way. In the same way that she could not agree with the reformist ideas of Bernstein and Jaurès, even though Jaurès, with his stormy temperament, fired by the traditions of the French Revolution, had rejected the sober and pedantic views of Bernstein, although they were actually closely related to his own. We will get into Bernstein's ideas in detail when we start discussing one of Rosa Luxemburg's main works, 
reform or revolution. But for now, suffice it to say that Bernstein's ideas went against revolution as a means to overthrow capitalism. He was a revisionist of the Marxist ideas, a reformist, who expanded that socialism would be achieved by the advancement of capitalism to social democracy and so on, not by capitalism's destruction. As rights were gradually won by workers, the cause for grievance would be diminished and consequently so too would the motivation for revolution. For him, the final goal of socialism was nothing. Progress towards that goal was everything. Jaurès didn't outright reject the need for revolution, but he also believed the time for it was not now. In his case, this probably had something to do with the relatively recent defeat of the Commune de Paris, a revolutionary socialist government that had controlled Paris from 18th of March to 28th of May 1871 and had been crushed by the French government during the bloody week. There was certainly caution in his approach, even though his experiments with syndicalism in Carmo, the town he was an MP for in the southwest of France, were a direct application of Rose's radical ideas. To Joris's credit, even though his views were different in so many respects from those of Rosa Luxemburg, he is the one who unified the different left parties and the one socialist party, SFIO, the French section of the Workers' International, Section Française de l'Internationale Ouvrière, in French. His pacifist views and his opposition to France entering the conflict that became known as the First World War led to his assassination on 31st of July 1914, a mere three days before the outbreak of the conflict. By then, a cult had already been born, which would turn Jaurès into a saint of the Republic. To this day, there isn't one town in the whole of France that hasn't got its Jean Jaurès street, square or avenue. Trotsky was an ardent admirer of Jaurès, writing in an article written three years after his assassination, that Jaurès was a genius, a rare present from nature to humanity.
Interestingly, around the same time, there had been a socialist experiment in French government, led by the socialist Alexandre Milran, who entered the radical ministry of Valdec Rousseau as trade minister in 1899, something Jaurès viewed as a courageous act from the French socialists in casting one of their own people into the fortress of bourgeois government. According to Jaurès and other reformists throughout the international, the development of capitalist society towards socialism had reached a transitional stage in which political rule was being exercised jointly by the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, and the participation of socialists in the government was an outward expression of this rule. Rosa Luxemburg closely followed this experiment and criticised it in thorough investigations. She welcomed the fact that Jaurès was throwing himself impetuously into the struggle, complained that he didn't know how to keep to his side of the demarcation between the bourgeois and the proletarian camps. Immediately after Milran's entry into government, she wrote an article about the question of government and power on the basis of general Marxist principles. Rosa agreed with Jaurès' point about justifying participation of the socialists in the government because their party had to occupy every position that came their way, with the caveat that the class struggle against the bourgeoisie and its stage could continue to be waged. She thought, however, that where Parliament offered such positions as the party even in opposition could represent the interests of its class, government allowed no room for any real opposition. All its participants had to operate from one common base, the bourgeois stage. In bourgeois society, she wrote, social democracy, by its very nature, it's prescribed the role of an opposition party. May appear as a ruling party only on the ruins of that bourgeois stage. She added that thanks to its position between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat, the petite bourgeoisie had many aims in common with the working class. But whatever the alliance, the working class had to secure its hegemony. In the present period, however, she wrote, the proletariat is called upon to build the leading, dominating element. The petite bourgeoisie is the incidental hanger-on and not the other way around. In other words, where the path of the Socialist Party coincides for a stretch with that of bourgeois democracy, it has the task not of confining its own struggle to the terrain it shares with the petite bourgeoisie, but on the contrary, of systematically overtaking and far outstripping the efforts of the petite bourgeoisie. History proved her right. After Milran's initial attempts to have social reforms enacted, the government announced a pause and then proceeded to drop even the appearance of concessions to its socialist allies and to adopt brutal reactionary measures. Every attempt at resistance by the socialists was smothered by the threat to dissolve 
government coalition and to leave the field to the reactionaries. The Socialist Party had compromised itself more and more. It became increasingly dependent on the government, which, in turn, became less dependent on it. An initiative to shorten working hours ended in the lengthening of working hours for children, with a mere residue of hope for future reform. Similarly, the measure aimed at securing the right to strike ended with it clamped in legal shackles. And the reform era culminated in a massacre of striking workers. Rosa Luxemburg drew the following conclusions from the French ministerial experiences. The much-celebrated practical politics had proved to be most unpractical for the working class because it was banned by the participation of the Socialist Party in the government and therefore it was unable to make its own power felt. Participation in the government had led to the complete cleavage and crippling of the working class movement and had driven large numbers of workers to turn away from politics and parliamentarism altogether towards ultra-radical syndicalism. Jaurès had been the staunchest supporter of the coalition policy against Luxembourg's criticism. Ten years after the opening act of this policy... However, he was cursing Milhon and the other two socialist ministers for being traitors who let themselves be used to advantage by capitalism. Interestingly, Milhon moved to the right from this moment on, taking part in several governments and eventually becoming prime minister in 1920. Luxembourg's critique of the experiment did not prevent its repetition. 22 years later... Final fruits of a policy modelled after Milhan's experiment were harvested on German soil. 